Welcome to Reliance's Sunday Sermon. Worship with us at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Today, if you are a visitor, welcome. We do call ourselves a family, so you are a part of that by default, whether you like it or not. Amen? And so um, it's good to have you here. So we've been focused running into the holidays um, of trying to get a, a character of Christ in us as we kind of get ready for, for Thanksgiving and then, and then Christmas that's coming up. Like, what is the character of Christ? What should it look like in us as, as the holidays always bring about more encounters with people? You're gonna be out shopping. You're gonna be fighting with people on Black Friday, right? Come on, be honest, you know? So, like, what, what should we look like when we're encountering people? And so we've talked over the last three weeks about the first thing that we should look like with that character of Christ is that we should be people that have a great, we should be a grateful people, a grateful heart, right? We should be a grateful people. And so we challenged you over the next 30 days. Then last week, put the things that you're thankful and grateful for. And so I want to encourage you to continue to do that. Then last week, we said, what's another distinguishing mark uh, uh, in this season? And we said, we're supposed to be a compassionate people. To look around and we should have compassion marking our life. And we talked about being able to look around and see people. You're not just going into a grocery store to get bread. Remember we said you're looking for people because the compassion of the Lord is upon you. You're not just filling up your gas tank. You're looking around because the compassion of can pour the compassion of God. Compassionate people, our eyes are looking for somebody that we can pour the compassion of God out on. So we talked about being a grateful people, a compassionate people. And today, uh, maybe one of the most important identifying markers of having this character of Christ is that we should be a serving people. Everybody say serving. A serving people. Um, I feel like one of the best ways in this season that we can show the love of Christ is being a serving people. I think it's serving others. We've all heard those words, actions speak louder than words right? You can say something all day long, but when you put action to it, it speaks louder to the heart of the person that you're trying to show that to. And so action speaks louder than words. You could say then that serving is the backbone to sharing the love of God to a broken world. That serving is that backbone of going, we love you, we love you, we love you, we love you, and, and, and then to show them that it's that serving heart that the Lord has put within each one of us. And I'm going to show you that here in just a moment. There, there's a problem, though, and that is that um, serving gets painted in a bad light sometimes because serving doesn't always highlight you. You know what I'm saying? Serving doesn't always highlight. We have a desire for people to notice us. And I know some of you guys, you're good in, in, in the background, but I would say for a large majority, like there is something about people going, well done, right? Well, that give you the pat on the back, look what you're doing. And so sometimes when it comes to serving, we're not noticed. Sometimes when it comes to serving, people don't really see what we get to do. And so sometimes it falls into a negative light. For instance, I'm sure all of you have worked in a serving industry where you, you're supposed to have service with a smile. So you got customers that come in, and they're just hammering you, right? They're coming at you, what you didn't do, as though you make corporate policy, right? And they're just hammering down on you, and you're supposed to have a smile going, it's okay, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? How can I help you? And in your mind, you're going, I want to punch you in the face right now, you, right? Like, you're supposed to be nice and, and smiling, and the whole time you're sitting there going, I don't even like you. This is not the kind of serving that we're talking about. 
We're not talking about serving with a smile. We're not talking about customer service that way. We're talking about the kind of service that's in your heart because Jesus is in you and something is welling up in you where you go, the love of Christ compels me. Like what he's done for me, I wanna give it to you. How he's done it for me, I wanna give it to you. The way that Jesus came in and served, and we're gonna see that here in a minute, I wanna be able to pour that out on you. This is the kind of service that we're talking about. The difficulty with service, though, at times is we don't always get to pick and choose, but we want to. You see, we like to serve as long as we can pick and choose what we serve in. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't do kids. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, or, or, or you know, I don't like to uh, talk with people or whatever it may be. Like, we want to serve, but we want to serve in the things <clears throat> that we get to pick and choose in. My kids fight over this all the time at home. They're over here. I'm going to address them right now. They fight over who has to unload the dishwasher as though it's purgatory, you know, which we don't even believe in, right? As though it's purgatory, like it's almost hell, right, to them. And I'm like, guys, you don't get, I didn't ask, do you want to? I said, who's going to do it, right? But they fight over it because to them, it's like the nastiest job in the world to load and unload the dishwasher. And then I share with them how we grew up where we walked uphill both ways in snow. I share with them, we didn't have a dishwasher when we grew up, so you had to wash them all by hands. And I said, I still have a little PTSD from this, all right? Somebody had to stick their hand down into the sink and pull the plug. You guys know what I'm talking about? And the food particles collected on your hand and you wanted to chop your hand off in that moment because it's jacked up and nasty. They don't understand that. And so here's the deal, when it comes to serving, we'll do serving as long as we get to pick and choose what we wanna serve in, but that's not the heart of Jesus. Jesus wants you to serve in things even if you don't like it, even if it doesn't fit what you want, even if it doesn't fit your ability, he will give you that ability to do it. You see, serving so many times, mission trips, and there's gonna be, even when we do things for the Lord, like going on mission trips, you see these guys gonna go on mission trips, and there's gonna be things that they're gonna do that they're gonna go, I'm not gifted in that, and the Lord's gonna call them to serve in that area. I remember when we went to Guatemala and they were splitting up different giftings for everybody, like, and everybody got in the, the prayer group, and you know, everybody's like, me, me, I'm gifted at prayer. Who wants to run this group? And, and everybody gotta pick their jobs, and I'll never forget my dad when he was sharing this, and I've shared it in here a thousand times before, but every time I talk about serving, I'm reminded of it. When he went to the Dominican Republic and they were doing the same thing, like, who wants to, to shave the guys for their hernia surgeries? crickets, right? And so they're like, how about you, Dennis? And he was like, okay, right? And so he, in the Dominican Republic, here's this guy who's a pastor who's gifted in preaching the gospel, a guy who's a pastor shaving their nether regions, all right, for hernia surgery. And he's sitting there and he goes, I called it, do you know who Jesus is? Do you? And so he, but here's the thing, nobody's choosing that, but somebody had to do it. So when it comes to serving in the way that the Lord wants us to serve, it's not about do I want to do it, but it's the calling the Lord has put on our heart. Words we've talked about a lot. We've got selfishness and we've got entitlement. We see this rampant in today's society where we have these things like, I don't want to do that or beneath me, right? 
And again, with, with, with the kids, we've wrestled with this. They would, they would say, yes, we could say, hey, can you pick up that shirt? And we'll hear, that's not my job because that's not my shirt. Or then it transitioned into this entitlement, which is, if I pick it up, what are you going to give me? As though to do something, now I owe you something. And I'm like, well, I tell you, if you don't do it, I'm going to give you a spanking. So I'm, either way, it's a win-win for me, right? And so, so there's this entitlement as though if I do something, then I have to get something in return. That's the difficulty when we're talking about serving with the heart of Jesus. It's not that you're always going to get something tangibly in return. And this is the struggle when we talk about serving as Christians and believers, there's this misconception that I'm owed something, I'm owed comfortability. If I serve, somehow I'm owed something in my life, and this is dangerous. And it's dangerous because selfishness and entitlement will take your heart away from the heart of God in serving. And it'll actually give you an entitlement, selfish heart when it comes to serving where I'm only doing it because I know it gives me something. And it's a messed up mentality. So Jesus comes and he sets the example of what true service is. And in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, he's gonna say, uh, John's going to tell us something about the life of Jesus. He says, those who say they live in God, and I'm just assuming that everybody that's coming in here, you're, you're here because you're going, I want to live in God. I want to be a believer. I want to walk in the ways of Jesus. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So he's telling us here, if we're in to the heart of God, if that's what we're after, if he's our pinnacle, then our life better look like the life of Jesus. And if it's gonna look like the life of Jesus, what you'll find throughout all of the scriptures is there's a distinguishing marker in how he came, and it's constantly saying Jesus came to serve. Jesus came to serve. Jesus came as a servant. Jesus came to serve. Yes, full of power. Yes, full of authority. Yes, full of love. In Mark chapter 10, verse 42, Jesus was calling his disciples together. And he said, to have authority, those in high status, high positions. He says, those that are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, lord it over them. They want them to know that. They want, they want you to know they're, they're here and you're down here. And he says, their high officials exercise authority over them, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be a slave to who? To who? Do you think that all includes your enemies? Do you think that all includes those that you disagree with? It's interesting that Jesus doesn't say you must be a servant to those that you like but he says you must be a servant to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to, and he says these words, serve and give his life as a ransom for many. The Greek word there in serve means this, to wait upon to attend to. You have a responsibility to wait upon and attend to others. All, as he would say. Jesus is telling his disciples on earth, then have others serve you. Do it. Get to your high position. Let other people want to be the greatest on earth. Find people. Have your status. You'll have your high position. If you want to be the greatest on earth, find people that will serve you. But if you want to be the greatest in God's kingdom, you better serve other people. If you want to be the greatest in God's kingdom, you must be a servant to 
all. Why? Because this is what Jesus came to represent, that he was a servant to all, that while we were still in sin, while we were still enemies with God, he came and laid his life down for us. And then he says those incredible words, the son of man did not come to be served, which he deserved. He deserved to be served. He's God incarnate. I mean, if there's anyone who deserved to be served, it was him. But he says, but he came to serve and give his life for ransom for many. Now, when we look at this lifestyle of Jesus, I want to say those words. It is a lifestyle. Jesus didn't come and feed the homeless from time to time, check off his list and go, okay, now I'm gonna go do more important things. Jesus didn't come and just serve in a moment over here and go, I'm gonna put this back in order and then check off of his list. Jesus came and his life was a lifestyle of service. And why that's important is so many times if you're like me, I'm gonna go through my month and be like, I really haven't served well, so I'm gonna go down to the Lord's diner and I'm gonna feel good about myself. I'm gonna check that off, now November's good. And then I'll find something in December to do. As though somehow serving or service or servanthood has become a one-off experience and not a lifestyle experience. Jesus came and his lifestyle was all about serving. And this is why this is so important that we read in Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. But he, Jesus, but he emptied himself. Somebody say emptied. He emptied himself by taking the form of a what? Servant. Now, I want to stop there for a minute. Jesus could have come, and out of all the words that he could have taken a form in, he chose a servant. He could have come in the form of a warrior. That would have got people's attention. He could have come in the form of a king. That would have brought people to him. Jesus could have come in the form of a giant. We've seen giants in Scripture before, but that's not what was said. He didn't come as a king. He didn't come as a warrior in terms of how he came. It says he came. Kings let them servant who is a king come and redeem the world. Jesus came as a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point so important for us going into the death on the cross. Now, I want to give you two words real quickly on why this is so important for us going into the season. If servanthood is the model of Jesus and you and I are king of kings, then there's two components that we need to see in this Philippians verse that are crucial to our life. And the first one is this, being a servant, and this one's gonna, I'm gonna throw some darts. Being a servant means giving up my rights for others. But see, I'm not a citizen of this planet, I'm a citizen of heaven, right? So being a servant means giving up my rights for others. Being a servant means becoming less so that others can become more. Let me tell you what I mean by that. You got John the Baptist. John the Baptist is this you know, crazy guy in scripture. He's like camel skin and eating locusts, all this stuff, right? And, and just this wild guy, but he's so popular. People are following him. Crowds are following him because he's speaking words that are transforming their, their life. So John's got all these people following him. He's reaching that status of going, man, he's kind of a popular guy. But when he sees Jesus coming down the road, John says these words that should burn in our heart. I must decrease. I must become less so that he can increase. I must become less so that he can, so that he can increase. In other words, 
I want you to get your eyes off of me so that your eyes are on him. So that when we talk about being a servant, becoming, becoming less so that others can become more, it's going, I'm going to come under you so that you see the one that I'm after. I'm going to help elevate you so that you can see who I see, and his name is Jesus. So being a servant means becoming less so others can become more. If you look at verse 7, if we're just following his footsteps, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. I just want you to think about that. Literally, he poured himself out. God in flesh, coming down in Jesus Christ, empties himself. Is he Lord? Yes. But he says these words, he did not consider equality with God as something to cling to. He let go of it for a moment. And he says, I'm going to become a servant. Even though I'm a king, I'm going to become a servant. And as he came as a servant, he gave himself for others. And here's why this is so important. Jesus would willingly, holy smokes, they're even cheering for this. Amen? They love Jesus, man. He willingly left the splendor of heaven for the smell of a stable. He left the company of angels for the company of men and women. The company of men and women that would hurl insults at him, that would eventually say crucify him. Jesus leaves that for the company of angels that he's in, that glorify him day and night, night and day, day and night, night and day. This is how much Jesus is going. I'm gonna empty myself because there's something that I want you to see. He who is all powerful, who had all authority, begins to put a limitation on himself so that we can see that he was both God and man at the same time that he still had the same things that we go through, but yet he was without sin. Why did he do it? Obedience, absolutely. We're gonna talk about that here in a minute. But he did it because of love. Because of the love that he had for you and the love that he had for me. And this is what it looks like when we follow Christ. We empty ourselves out because of the love that we have for others. And we know that when we empty ourselves out, meaning we go low and we empty that he's gonna fill us back up. And this is the model that Jesus is showing us in serving. It's not about just you and I getting, 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 but it's giving, giving, giving as well. This is important. Our broken nature is not really interested in being empty. Our broken nature is almost always interesting in filling up. I'll tell you what I mean by that. We, we're, we're always chasing that dangling carrot, right? I'm gonna fill this up, fill this up. I'm gonna chase these things. I'm gonna get this treasure. I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna buy this newest thing. We, we are people in our nature that wants to fill up our life because we feel like we're longing and looking for something. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? We're longing and looking. I just fill me up. Just I gotta fill this up. I gotta fill this up. I gotta fill this stuff up. And so our broken nature is so in tune with being filled up that we're never in tune with being emptied out. And so it's no wonder that we search for the kind of gospel messages that are all about the blessings of the Lord, but never about the emptying surrender to the Lord. Because we're more interested at times in becoming something or someone than we are in becoming nothing and no one. It runs contrary to our sinful nature. And if we're going to be like Jesus, he's gonna give us these words. We gotta empty ourselves out. Number two, he says these words. Once he emptied himself, it says he humbled himself. Everybody say humbled. He humbled himself even to the point of death on the cross. I don't know that we'll ever be able to understand what it means for the God of the universe to humble himself. Humbled himself. Even though he had all authority over men, mankind, he humbles himself to man's hands and he goes 
to death, even death on a cross. Now, the cross was different in those days than it was in our day. Now, we sport it. We wear it around our neck. We've got it on our earrings, tattoo it on our arms. The cross was meant all over the place. But in those days, the cross was meant to shame. In those days, the cross was meant to be something that meant for execution and shame. So they weren't sporting it around their neck. In equivalency of our day and age, it'd be like, I tattooed my electric chair on my chair, and I was wearing it around my neck. Check it out. I got my new electric chair, right? Or I tattooed my electric chair on my arm. It's meant to be an instrument of death and execution and shame for something that you've done. And so here he means shame. The God himself, and he's going to a place of execution that actually means shame. The God of the universe is going to the lowest possible way in which you can be absolutely brutally taken out in life, which is the cross, who had people were put on the cross, had no standing, no rights, and he's doing that, and he's showing us in this universe. Nothing that we'll ever go through will ever compare to what it cost the God of the universe, the cost that it cost him. Nothing that we ever go through will ever compare to what God came down and humbled himself in. Why is this important for us? Because if we're going to be servants of the Lord, if we're gonna serve the way that Jesus served, we have to learn two things. We gotta learn to go low and empty ourselves out. Everybody say go low. Empty yourself out. When you go low and you empty yourself out, God will fill you up. Why is this important for us today? Because it's a mark of a maturing in your life with Christ. So here we are, we wanna mature in our life with Christ. We should not be the same way today that we were when we first gave our life to Jesus. So, so Paul's going, ah, oh, that you would crave the meat of the word, but you're still craving the milk. You're like infants, and he's like, I'll feed you, but I'm longing for you to mature. There cannot be, this cannot be where we're going, for the rest of my life, I'm gonna stay a baby. Do you guys hear me? It's not natural. It's not our natural process. There's a growing and a maturing, and it's the same thing in the Christian life. And I'm telling you this, church, you'll never find yourself growing in your walk with Jesus as much as you will when you begin to serve. It's the heart of God. It's what he does. It's how Jesus came. And when you begin to serve, there's a maturity in you that begins to rise up. I'll show you this real quickly. In John 13, 2, Jesus is eating his last meal with his disciples and the evening meal was done. The devil had come and prompted Judas to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father, verse 3, had put all things under his power. Jesus knows his authority and his power. He could clap his hands and he could set kingdoms up. He could clap his hands and he could bring down the dominion of darkness. Somebody, though, had to die. Somebody had to die for the forgiveness of sins. So Jesus has all of this power and all of the first thing that comes to him. He knew that he had come from God. He knew he was returning to God. And so this is the first thing that comes to his mind. So he got up from the mill. He took off his outer clothing. He wrapped a towel around his waist. He poured water into a basin. He began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. So, so I just want you to picture this for a minute. So his first response to all authority has been given to me. All power has been given to me. His first response to this status was, I'm gonna go low. I'm gonna get low. I'm gonna humble myself. And I'm gonna wash my disciples' feet. It bothered Peter so badly that Peter and Jesus are gonna have this little dialogue in here where Peter's like, no, 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 Lord, you're not washing my feet. Jesus is like, 
Okay, I won't wash your feet, but you have no part with me. And then Peter's like, okay, wash my whole body. Wash my whole body, right? And he's like, no, no, no. I just need to wash your feet. And so you can see this dialogue in here, and Jesus gets to verse 12. And he says, when they had finished washing, when he had finished washing the feet, he put his clothes on, returned to his place, and he says these words, do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher, you call me Lord, rightly so, for, what, for that is what I am. Now that I, feet, just a rhetorical question, just a rhetorical question. Have you washed people's feet lately? Just rhetorical. Washing people's feet could mean, have you served people well lately? Have you gone low lately? And he says, I have set, verse 15, an example that you should do as I have done for you. Who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be what? What? You will be blessed if you do them. Jesus just set the greatest example for us to follow in our life to show people the love of God. But he also wants us to have the right attitude in it. So if you're today going, ah, fine, I'll serve, I guess, the way the look, if that's the attitude, that's not what he's looking for. There's two things that we've addressed in here when it comes to maturity and serving over the years, and I wanna address these two things one more time. When we're talking about maturity and serving, our attitude matters, and these two words come up over and over again. There's the privilege to serve, and there's the obligation to serve. Privilege is you get to. You get to. The, a privilege is like, I have the privilege of free speech, amen? I have the privilege to worship. Thank you, Lord, for this freedom that you've given us. Anybody to jail today, right? We've got a privilege. Thank you, Lord, for this freedom that you've given us to be able to do this. On the other side, you've got obligation. I'm obligated to pay my taxes. I don't want to. Jury summons, I'm, I'm obligated. I have, to, I have to do it. I'm obligated if I get a, a jury summons. I'm obligated to go and at least possibly serve on the jury. It's not a want to. It's not something that I signed up for. Talk a lot. It's expected. So when we're approaching serving, these two attitudes talk a lot about the issues of our heart. If you have the spirit of obligation, then we fall into the category of how the Israelites were in the Old Testament. We have to follow. We're obligated to follow the law. It's not that we're really stirred by God. It's not that we don't even know. I mean, we got a love for him, but there's an obligation. If we don't follow the law, then we die. So they, it wasn't that they were going, oh, that we could just know you, God. It was, well, we've got to do it. It's the, only, it's the only way to keep us in good grace with God. That's what the spirit of obligation is. It's not birthed out of love. It's birthed out of an obligation that this is what our job is. We've got to do it. Then you've got the, the spirit of privilege, the spirit of freedom. Galatians 5.13 says these words. You have been called to live in freedom, my dear brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. He could have said a myriad of other things there, but he goes, because you're free, serve one another in love. I'll tell you why this is so important. The outpouring of Christ's love on humanity is in this desire. This serving that we're talking about is a privilege of the freedom that we have in Christ. We're telling a broken world constantly, we love you, God loves you, we love you, God loves you, his church loves you. This we're, and this broken world is crying back. You're not showing it to us. We're, we're not, you say it, but we're not seeing it. I'll use my wife as an example. We, we, we talk about this a lot. If you haven't, you need to take that study, right? Shared this before, five love languages. 
You, you know those? You've taken that study? If you haven't, you need to take that study, right? So, five, so the way that my wife receives love is different than the way that I receive love, right? God could not please the Lord. All right, so you've got to learn how we receive love. Come on, testify. Couples out there? Okay, praise the Lord. All right, so you've got, so here I am. I'm an affirmation person. I'm like, I love you, baby. You look so good. I love you. I love you. Oh, I love you. I'm like, I'm affirming her. I don't know if you love me. And I'm like, woman. Here's where she'll just kind of get up and be like, some days I just don't know if you love me. And I'm like, woman. <laughs> I tell you, like a lot, that, that I love you. Why? <sighs> that like, ugh. Okay, so I go home. I've shared this before. I sweep, I make dinner, I put ramen in the microwave, chop some hot dogs up. She gets home. It's that easy. Because I say it, I love you, I love you, I love you. And she's going, where's, where's the action behind it? This world is looking for a people of God that are going, we love you, we love you, we love you. And they're going, okay, where's the action? marks us with the action of Jesus in our life. We don't serve because we have to serve. We served because he first served us. This maturity that we come into is that Jesus first served us. And so because of that, we are just simply following in line with what he's done. It's not to try to garner or to get his attention. It's not for God to go, oh, I love you better now because you went to the Boys and Girls Club then you made your way down to the Lord's Diner and then you topped it off with, you know, whatever. It's not like, oh, you, you, I love you more because of that. He's going, no, that's just what you do because I'm in you. It's just your life. Power and give. Jesus says, he knew that the Father had put all things under his power and given him authority. So he wraps a towel around his waist and he begins washing his disciples' feet. This one upside down the world systems, these things, this one moment, Jesus is turning upside down the world systems and he's going look if you want this great authority and this great power it's about serving others and not just being served kingdom of heaven so what does this mean for you and i, I just close with these these five thoughts and worship team can come on up i'm gonna close with these five thoughts there there are blessings that we experience when we serve one another church i'm telling you 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 want to change your life Go, go low and empty yourself out, and I'll show you what these blessings are. Number one, serving allows us to discover and develop our spiritual gifts. When you begin to serve, you'll begin to see things come out of you that maybe you didn't know you had. Leadership will come out of you. Administration will come out of you. Mercy will come out of you. Giving will come out of you. And you'll be like, huh, I really like people, right? It's like something will come out of you and these spiritual gifts will begin to get stirred in your heart and you'll go, man, this, like serving has helped me to find the giftings and the purposes that the Lord has put in my heart. Number two, serving allows us to experience miracles. When Jesus did miracles, he would get his disciples together and go, hey, go get some bread, go get some fish, you're gonna serve these people. And they're going, how are we gonna serve all of these people? And they found a few loaves and they found a few fish and they brought it to Jesus and they go, we're willing to serve, we don't know what to do. Jesus prayed over it, how many did he feed? 5,000. A miracle took place because they were willing to serve. When we were in Guatemala, 
There was a line in the slums. We were in the slums, worst place ever. The, 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 the tin that was over the roof was leaking. It was raining. There was a, I mean, this line was long, and all these people bring their own dishes to be served in. And I remember we, our team was serving. We were serving up the food, and they brought this big old kind of vat, about this big, full of broth and chicken. And I was like, there's not, not going to be enough to serve these. We're, we're going to run out. And I'm, I'm literally looking in line going, I bet you we have enough to serve that one then that person would get through. And I'm like, okay, maybe not that one, but that one. And the whole time I'm going, like, I had no faith. I'm going, we're going to run out. We're going to run out. Every time that gal take the ladle up, she would take the broth, and it was usually like a, ch- a piece of chicken, a chicken wing. And it was like, she would put it in a bowl. Next person would come through. Next person would come through. Line was just getting longer and longer and longer. I'm like, it's only this big. There's, I'm looking down there going, there's no way. She didn't kill a thousand chickens that day. But every time the ladle went down, the spoon came out. There was chicken and broth. Every time. Somebody else jumps in line. I'm like, oh, she, I, I hear her scraping the bottom. There's no way. Another chicken leg comes out. Another person gets in line. I'm like, there's impossible. Another chicken leg comes out. And I'm just like, Lord, when we serve, we get to see the miracles of God. It never runs out. He never runs on empty. Number three, serving increases our faith. When we move out of our comfort zones and we begin to trust God and serve him in places that we've never served before, man, our faith begins to just increase. We see the Lord work in ways that are amazing. Number four, serving allows us to experience God's presence. When you serve others and you see their face light up and you see the joy in their eyes, all of a sudden you go, I see Jesus. When you serve others and they've been broken and for the first time they go, somebody cares about me, you experience God's presence in that moment. And then number five, serving is good for your soul. You know, they've done statistics and they found that if you are serving others and not just waiting to be served, that your mind and your body is healthier, that your stress and depression go down, that when you're serving others, it taps into the confidence inside of your life to go, Man, the Lord is using me in great ways. And you stop focusing so much on what you don't have and what you can't do. It's good for your soul. So this morning, I know we're over time. Thanks for hanging with me a little longer. We got to stand up. I want to pray over you guys today for this mantle to walk in the servanthood that Jesus walked in. So if you would just indulge me and put your hands out in front of you like you're going to receive this. I want to pray for the anointing of God's servanthood to fall upon us. So Father, we pray today as a body of believers that Jesus, not so internally focused, not so bound by things, but we would be a body of believers that believe in serving the way that you serve. And you came and you got low, you went low in humility and you emptied yourself out. May we be a people who go low and empty ourselves out knowing that you're gonna fill us back up again. And we empty ourselves out and you fill us back up again. And it's like it never runs dry. God, we pray for this anointing of the servanthood of Jesus to come upon his people again. So that instead of saying to a broken world, we love you, we love you, we love you, that we put action with our words. So Father, we pray this in every hand open today. Would you lay the anointing of servanthood on your people? We love you, Jesus. We praise you for this day. We thank you for what you're doing. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great Thanksgiving.
Thanks for tuning in today. To find out how to get more involved, go to reliancecommunity.org. Have a great week.